back to Business Brewing episode three. We are back, Jess. We back, baby. <laughs> Today is an exciting day. <laughs> but first, guys, I need to call out Jess because I'm drinking my Starbucks coffee <laughs> and Leave she's me drinking a bang. Do you know what? I was up until 5 a.m. last night editing our episodes. Do you know why, Hope? Because you suck and you put it in the trash on accident. Well, that would be the Spark Notes version. <laughs> Basically, what happened is Hope and I recorded this awesome episode and for some reason, I just threw it right in the trash and I was literally emailing around the wrong episode to all these different people and got an entire episode done, edited, ready to go, realized it was the wrong episode. So I had to dig that out of the trash and restart. And then she was late to our meeting this morning. But we're here, guys. That's all that matters. And that's why I need a bang <laughs> instead of coffee. That is child's play. Coffee can do just, you know, I'm pretty sure our business is surrounded around coffee. You're not wrong. I know. Anyways, guys, I just needed to call her out because I'm sipping on my lovely vanilla sweet cream cold brew, which I normally get tea. However, I needed a fix me up. So, you know, I went with a little stronger. Um, but Jay, how was your weekend? My weekend was great, but I think everyone would rather hear about yours, Hope. Um, well, guys, I got sun poisoning, and that was the worst thing I think that I have gone through in so long. I went out to the pool, hung out, was out there at like 11.45. I was like, you know what? My roommate and I were like, we're going to go hang out for a little bit, be back by an hour. We then had a few friends that came over to go swimming and flash forward to 5.45 at night when we realized, oh, we should probably go in. I was redder than red could be, dehydrated, and I was down for the count for two days after that. Guys, that Arizona sun <laughs> is no joke. No joke. It really creeps up on you too. Oh yeah. The other day, the UV... 11. 11. Yes, that's yeah. what I was going to say. I know. It's like I read your mind. <laughs> And I'll have friends who come visit and they're like, no, 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 I'm not going to wear sunscreen. Right. So I want to get a tan. And you're like, homegirl, you you're just not going to get a tan. You're going to get crisp. I'm just like, oh, you know, you get that tan. <laughs> and the next day I'm slapping aloe vera oil on them. Oh my gosh. It's so bad here. But it's like also the best because, you know. It's a dry heat. Yeah. And we're not like sweating. Yeah. We can like actually do our hair and then it'll last. Right. So like I said, you guys all know I grew up in Iowa and the Iowa summers are so humid. Your hair sticks to your neck. You can't breathe. You're sweating through every outfit. Your hair is a mess. That's like, disgusting. Yeah. So <laughs> let me tell you, dry heat is way better. I don't care if it's 111 degrees. Dry heat for the win. Even 120, you know? Except I have leather seats in my car. Do we not agree? And we get stuck to those leather <laughs> seats because we got thick thighs, honey. <laughs> I got to peel myself off of that Literally. seat. Literally. That's disgusting. Anyways, guys, <laughs> let's get into today's episode. It is insane. Woo! You guys okay. have no idea. Take it away. All right, guys. 
We are so excited for today's episode. We've been waiting for it for so long. Today, we have the pleasure to chat with somebody who is a public figure. A public figure, guys. <laughs> he has a huge love for Jesus, and he has a lot of different businesses and projects that he works on as well. We know that he's going to be the perfect guest because he can tell his story about how he came into his faith, how he got into the businesses that he's in, and just really chat and get his perspective on how to manage this crazy life while chasing Jesus and our various passions, keeping up with relationships and so on. So guys, you know and love him from The Bachelor. He was definitely America's sweethearts and absolutely one of my favorite bachelors, hands down. He also co-hosts an amazing podcast called Almost Famous. He's got a t-shirt company up and running, and he's also running a coffee business. So please, without further ado, welcome Ben Higgins. Hey, y'all. How you doing? Hello. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. How are you too? Good. Thanks so much doing for joining. Hey, not a problem at all. So uh, where are you two located? Arizona. Is it hot? So hot. Very we hot. were just talking about that. Um, I'm sweating. It's, it's hot here too. Where are you? Indiana. Okay. I'm gonna yeah. go back to Denver. I'm going to Nashville tomorrow, but uh, I just got off a run and I'm <laughs> I'm not cooling down well. So if I start sweating on you guys, I'm sorry. It's all good. Totally you know? fine. I mean, we're probably sweating too because it's so hot here. I, we were just talking about how I got um, sun poisoning this weekend, so hmm. it's been a whole thing. <laughs> but did um, you uh, wear your H necklace for me? I did, just for Higgins. <laughs> I bought it specifically for you. I'm still waiting for mine in the mail. <laughs> um, so I'm Hope, by the way. Yeah, and I'm I, Jess. I'm Jess. We're so excited for this. Um, so basically, a little bit about who we are. We met at work. We work at a marketing firm. And we kind of got super close just for like our, how much we love Jesus and everything like business professional life, like we're in the works of becoming um, our own executives at our marketing firm. And so we were kind of like, we did this challenge one day where we were like, you know, what, let's do something in quarantine that like we don't normally do. And so we decided to wake up at 5 a.m. and watch the sunrise. And in the that's midst awesome. of that, we came up with a podcast. And so that's kind of where we're at. Our point to this is to have a podcast for young adults who are entrepreneurs who love to, you know, do businesses, um, do different projects, but mainly, you know, how to navigate through life with their faith and how to kind of combine the two. And with you, obviously we know that you have a huge platform, but like you use it in a way that's so admirable. Like you are not shy about your faith. You use that to touch other people. And then you obviously have other businesses. And so kind of just to start, like we would love to know, how did you become into your faith? Like what happened to change your life to follow Jesus and whatnot? Great question. Um, <laughs> first off, it's great to meet you guys. And thanks for, thanks for reaching out to Megan and making this work. That's a huge question. And, and I don't want to answer it um, just off the cuff. So I guess what I'd say is I grew up uh, in a Christian household. I grew up in a super Christian community. And I say that because this is a great place. I'm actually here right now, but uh, it's a great place to grow up because uh, people care a lot. They try to care a lot. 
but there's not a lot of diversity here. So there's not a lot of like questioning of faith. There's not a lot of digging deeper in faith. It's pretty streamlined, pretty simple. And I put so much of my weight in the idea that there was a God and that this God actually liked me um, that there became a point in my life where I started to question if that was true. And I think rightfully so. I grew up, I went to college and in college, you have all people from all different backgrounds who, you know, faith, non-faith, just, and I started to see that like not everybody believed in this Jesus that I did. I think this is the moment that most mattered to me because through my doubt and questioning, I've also gained faith, still doubt and question a lot, but I gained a lot of faith because I had to make a commitment to see if it was real or not. And, and I've always said this, like the reason that Jesus matters so much to me is because like in my life, I only want to follow truth wherever that will be. Right. If like Jesus isn't the answer, then like I'm all good moving to whatever the answer is. Like, I just want to believe in what is true and I want to be fooled. And consistently as I've asked those questions and tried to pray and contemplate and see the world for what it is, like Jesus has continued to be the answer to those questions, mostly based on the idea that sums up in like, when Jesus says like the best two things you can do is love God and love others. When I see that happening in the world, like when I see love transforming difficult scenarios, there is uh, an eternal like majesty to that, that like makes me think that he was onto something that maybe nobody else was at the time. Mm-hmm. And so th- I guess my best way to say is when I started asking myself, like, what is true? Jesus continued to be the truth. And that's when I started to get fired up because I was like, maybe this whole thing is true. Maybe there is a God that loves me. Maybe there is a God that desires to have a relationship with me. Maybe there is a God that wants to see this world become a place of unity and love and commitment and kindness. And that fires me up. Like, I want to be on that side. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I think it's so true. I, I'm a Young Life leader, um, which is a Christian organization. And so Mm -hmm. I do it out here in Arizona for high school kids. And I think that that's, you know, the biggest thing is like in high school or even college, like trying to find out what is true in like your own way. You know, I mean, we, I grew up, we both did grew up in a Christian home and, you know, surrounded by God from a young age. And so it's kind of like, as you grow up and you're hitting different things, like figuring out what is true. But, you know, there's hard times. I mean, we're literally in hard times right now. How would you describe like what you do to stay in your faith on your lowest days? Easy to love Jesus and follow Jesus in the good times. But when hard times come, it's also really easy to back away. You know, mm-hmm. you're asking great questions. Ones I really <laughs> love to answer. And I mean that like ones I really love to answer. I don't want to answer my if I'm honest, I think the, w- the way I stayed in my faith would be to wrestle and to fight and to get really angry at God at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to admit that you have to do that. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people are afraid to be mad at God. And so I think that's really awesome that you're like, that's the first step. Yeah, because like I, I want that open dialogue. Like I want to be the dude. One of the sources that always stood out to me in the Bible is um, there's two guys praying. It's a very common story. One guy was like, praying publicly and talking about all the great things he has and how many blessings he's had and how great his life is. And he just thanks God for just, Oh, this is all, this is so great. And the other guys in the corner, like beating his chest being like, I'm wretched. I messed up. I'm mad at you. Like, I don't get it. Uh, uh, it's, I'm confused. I mean, you look at Job, you look at this guy in the corner, mm-hmm. you look at, um, you know, Solomon at times, like, I mean, Solomon, like in Ecclesiastes, like narrowed it down to just say like, at some point, 
all like people can do is like work and have good drink. And like, that's about all you got going at times. Like, that's okay. Like, don't, don't try to act differently than that. Don't try to think that life doesn't suck sometimes. And for me, I'm not scared. One, one, I don't think God is scared of me confronting him. Um, I don't think he like gets scared, scared out that I like in bad. When I do, when there's this like really mystical, I say mystical in like a, like a very like contemplative sense. Like when there's a very mystical, mystical beauty to like, when I start to voice my anger, like, God, I don't love that there are people hurting. I don't love that there is injustice that exists. God, I don't get how kids are dying. Like, I don't get it and I don't like it. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. sit with well with me. And like, I even doubt you at all in that. When I voice that, there's a mystical beauty, like a magic almost, to how God responds to my heart. When I start to voice those things, like how Jesus looks at, like, I think for me, it's just like any relationship. If I was mad at my friend, a good friend, I want to tell him, like, hey, I don't love what you're doing to me. And when that happens, it opens up dialogue for there to be a flow, a rhythm, to back and forth communication. And I think the same thing happens with God. I mean, and I say I think that, not because I want to make God I, I'm, it feels like today a lot of people are saying like, I don't want to follow a God that does X, Y, Z. Like that feels like I'm putting God in a box. I don't want to put right. God in a box, but it forces a rhythm to a relationship with God that I think represents the relationships we would have on earth, which is how he created it. And so for right. me, it's getting mad, getting angry, voicing it. And then knowing that like maybe at the end of all this, great Christian thinkers have lost their faith in those moments knowing that that's the risk, but believing that God will show up so that I don't get there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So of course you just mentioned that you grew up in a community that was very faith-based. We know it's important to have faith surrounded in your community and to have friendships where you can talk about faith. What is the importance of having a faith-based community and how do you open that dialogue for people who maybe don't know how to talk about their faith with their friends? the importance of it. Well, I think it's super important because it's super important in the right context. So again, I think there's a, an, a vulnerability and an openness to those relationships that are important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think one of the things that the church in general um, has maybe lacked on, or maybe one of the things that I'm most angry at right now is we've gotten pretty close off to having that vulnerable dialogue that we don't sit with the people that are hurting that we don't listen to the stories being told that because we assume and say things like oh it's all going to get better oh it's all in god's plan those type of things and it negates the pain and the struggles and the mourning that is existing here on earth and so good christian relationships good faith-based relationships i think have should have the ability to be more vulnerable and more open than any other relationship we have on this earth and so for me how i then go on about talking about jesus is I don't think you understand me unless you know my faith. Like, I don't think you understand that, like, if you were to rip Jesus from me, you, everything tumbles. Every sense of security and confidence and joy and peace and love and kindness. That's always funny if somebody comes up to me and goes, oh, I just love how good of a person you are. Well, that's great. I'm super happy you like that. Like, <laughs> a lot better than the opposite. But you don't, like, you don't understand what I would do if there wasn't a God behind me showing me the way 
and asking me, commanding me, living within me to do those things. Like, this is not of me. This is not a, like, I, w- I mean, I'm glad that you feel like I'm representing this God well. That is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm happy about that. But like, my conversation with my friends who don't believe in Jesus, or maybe are questioning is just like, hey, I get it. I can 100% see where you're coming from. But you just got to know that like, if you want to talk to me, you got to know where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And then it's not like aggressive. I'm not, I don't really care to force you or feel you, make you feel shame or guilt or mm-hmm. like make a relationship with Jesus transactional by saying, Hey, are you, you know, you're going to die, right? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? Are you, uh, it's not looking good so far. Not, like, that, not, that doesn't interest me. That doesn't intrigue me. That doesn't right. inspire me. What inspires me mm-hmm. is the idea that like, if you did find a relationship with this God, that some people maybe for the first time in their life, myself included, would feel a value and a purpose and a love that's never been felt before and can never be felt without a eternal being being behind it. And so that's kind of my position. And and again, like I, I think to sum it up, like, yeah, I just couldn't, you, would, you wouldn't know me unless you knew my faith. You would never understand me. Right. I love that. And I think that's a really good point, especially for you know, listeners of all ages, it's not just a hobby. A lot of people see religion as a hobby, but no, it's like, it's in my heart. It's in my soul. It's who I am. Will you tell us a little bit about Generous Coffee? Like how you got into it, what you guys do. Um, We know you guys do a lot of like charitable work through there too. So we'd love to hear about that. Love to. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you the super fast version. If anybody's super interested in this, you can email us and we'll tell you all about it. But perfect. um, 15 years ago, I went to Central America for the first time and saw poverty, like real poverty with my own eyes. And, uh, and it wrecked me. It, it was one of those angry God moments, or maybe it's, I'm still angry at God for it, I think. But it was like, hey, kids are starving. There's lack of clean water, lack of education. Like everything that I have here is not happening around the world. Right. And I came back and I felt a lot of guilt and shame, which I don't think is healthy, but I did. And then I was angry for years. Because what was happening was white people would go down, pictures while they're down there, and come back and show their friends. And it'd be a really cool moment for them to be celebrated. You are such a good person, people would say. Right. You are doing such good work, people would say. And, and, I, and I just never got it. Like, it, it just like, how do, you, how do you come back and celebrate yourself in the midst of enormous injustice happening? So my buddy, who's smarter than me and older than me, came up with an idea that we could build sustainable communities communities that were not us coming down and giving anything and not us coming down and changing culture, but us asking them what they need, what they want and partnering with them in unity and in kinship to help them get there. So we would be there with them, beside them, fostering this, helping uh, where we could and them helping us where they could. We'd be building up sustainable communities that could last lifetimes, generations on generations on generations. And that was working. Uh, this organization is called Humanity and Hope United. And so that whole idea was working and uh, 10 years in, The Bachelor had happened, and uh, geez, uh, fundraising went from like, I don't know, 100000 a year to like 500000 a year in a year from The Bachelor. Wild, wild stuff. Um, and there's a lot to that, too, on why that happened, but that's not important for this story right now. But anyways, on a trip, my buddy and I were going down, and we're like, okay, this is awesome, but I'm not going to be The Bachelor forever. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull – the platform that I have forever. I don't know if I want to pull the platform that I have forever. Mm -hmm. So what do we do to sustain fundraising? Because if we're building sustainable communities, you have to have a sustainable fundraising source. That's part of it. 
we came up with an idea that we could actually start a for-profit business. I want to be clear, it's a for-profit business. We'll call it for purpose. So we've coined we this new phrase for <laughs> purpose. And uh, we could sell products and then donate the profits instead of distributing them amongst shareholders or owners, we would distribute the profits then to organizations that are building up sustainable communities around the world or doing some type of sustainable work. So if that's here in your own neighborhood, we'd love to partner with uh, homeless shelters, uh, you know, uh, food banks, whatever it is that you can think of when you think of like injustice fighting organizations. We wanted to be the engine that could sustainably support them year over year over year. Well, it turned into generous. That's the name of it. Coffee was the product that we sold because coffee tells a beautiful story. It's, it's grown in a lot of communities that are impoverished. Coffee has a ton of injustice even behind it, like from it's how it's grown to who's, who's producing it, how much those producers are getting paid, how it's being sourced, et cetera, et cetera. And so we thought we could like buck the system, go against the grain, sell coffee. That's a low margin product, honestly donate the profits, tell this story, and we could build an engine that would do great in the world. So that's where Generous Coffee comes in. So Generous Coffee is actually called Generous International. We're best known as Generous Coffee Company because we do have apparel. Uh, we do do trips. We do have an ambassador program that like helps spread generosity in the communities that they exist in. Uh, I, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, not only a co-founder, but I've been the president of an acting president for two and a half years now. And so we're two and a half years in. It's been a beautiful, beautiful creation. I'm so really just like, this is going to sound super cliche and I'll probably listen to this back and be like, you're an idiot for saying this. <laughs> like, I feel very lucky to be a part of it because I do feel like it is working. Like, I do feel like it's a good thing and I do feel like it's a model that can be replicated amongst every industry. Uh, and so we've been, um, we've been hustling, selling coffee, building communities since then. And that's where Generous comes in. So Here's my sales pitch because none of this is going to make sense and none of it is going to matter unless your listeners, which I'm sure they're, they're loyal to you, uh, hear this. You go to generouscoffee.com and you buy a bag of coffee. All the profits from that coffee are going to go back to communities around the world doing good. I've never made a dollar on Generous. I never plan to make a dollar on Generous. I don't get paid a salary. None of the money is distributed to me. This is a passion project. If you want to drink life-changing coffee... Because you're going to drink coffee anyways. You go to generouscoffee.com and buy coffee. Hear that, guys? Go buy some coffee. And not only that, but he also talks about an ambassador program. So if that, if you Mm -hmm. feel led to do that in your community, reach out. Let us know. We'll absolutely help you guys set that up. And I think that would be really cool to do in our community, too. Especially, like, we have a whole office that, of course, we're buying coffee for. So that would be so awesome if we could start that once our office is back and running. Yeah, it's been absolutely. really awesome to see. I mean, really, we just want to build a platform for people to be generous and yeah. because people want to be and they just don't always know how. And so it's been really awesome to see how creative people have gotten like, hey, we have coffee, we have T-shirts, we have necklaces. How you want to go about doing good with those things is really up to you. But we'll, we'll, we have those for you to sell, to promote. And even if you don't want to sell product, if that sounds pushy and weird. Well, then like become an ambassador, be an ambassador for a generous like lifestyle. Like that's all maybe you need to do is like just have a reason to go to your neighbor's house during COVID and drop off groceries on the front step and say, Hey, I'm just thinking about you. And I was looking at um, your coffee and your stuff like that. And I think it's like what, $15 for a bag or something. And it's Mm -hmm. like the meaning behind that $15 and what you can do with it and what it does for, you know, so many people around the world is like what three, 
Starbucks drinks as I'm drinking Starbucks, but like it's like three drinks of Starbucks and it's like the difference of where that money goes and just what it does is just huge. So no, we love that company and everything that it stands for. And I mean, getting the more of a backstory on it just makes it even better. But we also did notice that you were doing um, hashtag hope still wins um, on social media. And like, how did you come up with that? Like, what have you learned from it? I mean, it's amazing. I love it. But like, what have you learned from it? It's been wild. Yeah. So during it, there's a backstory to it. So during COVID, we're a weekend and I was on tour for The Bachelor. So I was hosting this show called Bachelor Live on stage and it got canceled because of COVID. I came back home and I was like, dang, like, so I was talking to my agent and my agent said that there has been this massive need during COVID for faith-based programming. I said, great. Like, you want to talk about a dream job? <laughs> right. I'd Sign love to be your host. Like, <laughs> and he said, well, I don't know if there's opportunity right now. Nobody's filming. Nobody's hiring. But why don't you start something on your own? So I sat on it for a bit. And I, I've always believed that hope had an enormous weight to it. Like, that hope was maybe the, the common thread amongst us all. Is if you lose hope in anything, like, you're going to have despair. Like, the opposite mm-hmm. of hope is probably, like, despair of of nothingness and so i thought well hope still wins it's easy right like hope still wins everybody will believe it hope still wins so i started this hashtag hope still wins and what i did is i created a little company with my friends called my fan threads and my fan threads is an apparel line where uh we bought a uh well we bought into an an apparel manufacturer that can print on the man t-shirts and so we can design t-shirts super easy you can go on and order them and i was like the margins are huge we can just donate same way we do it generous we can just donate this back we can do like super relatable t-shirts. If like, if a common phrase gets popular in the U.S., we'll just create a t-shirt that says and sell it. Like this is going to be great. Easy. Super easy. And so we started this t-shirt line called Hope Still Wins. And then the whole time I was like, well, what if I started interviewing people I look up to, people that have been great in my life, people of faith, people not of faith, but just like good influences in my life, even like people I've never met on like Instagram Live. Super mm-hmm. easy. No, everybody's mm-hmm. locked inside anyway. So I started emailing a bunch of people that I admire and everybody responded and said, yeah, I'm in. Crazy. And so the lineup of people I've been able to uh, interview has just been insane. Um, one of the things I've learned is that some people don't believe hope still wins, especially during some of the racial riots is like realizing that hope usually is based off of knowing what your past has provided you, knowing that that past will probably be somewhere way mirrored in the future and if you don't have, I mean, and I'm thinking about this even for our communities in Central America, like if you don't have a past that's like hope filled, how are you going to have a future that's hope filled? And so some people don't even know what hope really feels like, that that might be a, a fairly privileged statement. And other people have like super, like we had Joe Saxon on, who's a black woman, who's an amazing woman, who's like, I believe hope still wins, but hope is yeah. messy. Hope is tear stained. Hope is ugly. Hope is a battle. Hope is a fight. I've learned those things that, you know, hope looks differently to everybody. And when you hear the word hope, it doesn't always directly associate with joy, but hope has a grit to it, a resilience to it, uh, a meekness to it that conquers all. And so it's been incredible. Uh, we've taken a few weeks off for the holidays here. We'll get back to it about a month, um, interviewing more people, uh, more just impact players in the world. And, uh, and again, if you, <laughs> I'm a good, I, I a good infomercial. Um, <laughs> it is. Plug sweatshirts or t-shirts you can go to my fan threads and see this line that is being donated back and uh it's been awesome and when we post this episode we'll also post the links for yeah. all those websites oh, for you, you so people can grab it super easy so obviously you're a go-getter you <laughs> seem like a 
like a yes guy and hope and I get in trouble saying yes to too many projects sometimes like yes to everything so how do you manage podcasts your different companies life relationships how do you time manage all of that great question you guys are on fire today (laughs) um yeah you know I think from the outside looking in it does feel like a lot like if we went through this things that like maybe I'm attached to it'd be it's a long list and I'm excited about that like one of my one of my issues I was terrible at school uh because I hate focusing on one thing and that's probably a problem that like I'll work through in counseling someday but I'm not there yet but I really like I get very anxious and I and I love I love being involved in a lot of things I don't know if I know very much and so here's how I do it here's the secret sauce to it all I surround myself and I mean this this is the best way to break it down for me listen up (laughs) uh I surround myself partner uh with uh, invest into people more talented than I. Um, network res- up. Network up. Resources more talented than I am because I can trust them. Uh, a lot of times what I can offer to the table is things that they need. Uh, platforms, obviously a big thing right now. Also, maybe uh, I think what I, I fairly do well is connecting and I really love people and I love people's stories. I think I, those three things might be the only things I do terrifically. But then I surround myself with people that are like incredible at everything. It feels like they're just good at everything. It feels like I'm always learning from them. People that work for me mm-hmm. that, you know, my leadership style and they would know this, they would say is like to lead with my hands wide open because like, I just want to learn from them a lot of times that very, very few times am I, uh, most of the time I act as a project manager, just making sure things are happening and not as much of like, Hey, this is how things need to happen. Right. Because these people are talented. They're great. They're inspired. They're passionate. They're, they're purpose filled. They know their stuff. And, and, and so when I invest my money or my time or put my name behind something, I'm doing it because mostly because I, I, I know the people behind it and I believe in the people behind it. And as a result, my time management becomes a lot less because they don't need, they don't probably really want to hear from me that often. <laughs> I'm just annoying. And so uh, the other thing is, you know, saying yes to a lot of things. Um, I, I can't, a guy, and I'm going to name drop a little bit here, but Bob Goff had me on his podcast um, last year, and he didn't tell me what the topic was. He said he didn't want to tell me until we did it. And I got on, he's like, all right, we're going to talk about time management. It's like, oh, I know nothing about it. Um, <laughs> because I do, I say yes to a lot because I'm scared. I think there's two reasons. One is fear that those things will 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 not happen anymore. Like they'll mm-hmm. run out at some point. And two saying no feels painful. I've gotten better at saying no, mostly on things that are not, um, that are not uh, helping the things that I've already committed to. I have a responsibility to the things that I've said I would, would work on. And if things outside of that come in the way of it, that are not essential, then I need to say no out of respect for the people around me. And I think that's how I've started to say no more and more. Absolutely. That's a great answer. And I know kind of going off of like, you know, all of the things that we've talked about, you know, with hope still wins and generous, like you had all these ideas that you wanted to do and then you kind of just, you know, started it. And so what would your advice be for those out there that, you know, they have this dream that they want to do, you know, they have whatever it is, whether it's a podcast, Mm -hmm. it's a business. Um, how, what's your advice for them to just get ready and just to do it, like to take that initial step and to do it. Cause I think that that's the part that scares a lot of people and a lot of people's dreams just start to, you know, yeah. just stay a dream. Well, I could tell you right now, I know there's five huge things that I've invested my time into that have failed miserably, um, that no longer exist. Hmm. Um, 
dreams I had, huge dreams I had that just never went anywhere before and after Bachelor. So, so I'd say, I'd say one is like, if you start to fail and fall and things have to stop, uh, you're not alone mm-hmm. um, at all. Then it might feel like it. It's definitely going to feel like it. You're going to feel yeah, like absolutely. you're alone, but you're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second is I've always said that like people have a, at Generous, we have a saying that I tell the employees all the time because we do try to donate to a lot of organizations and help a lot of people. And it sometimes feels like uh, it's not tangible. It doesn't feel like we can own it and celebrate it. And I, and I always say that if one person's life be, can be bettered because of your existence, then it's all been worth it. And I believe that. I mean that. I think that's how much value we put in each human life. And so if you have a passion and a purpose and if you feel motivated to do something, I believe that you just saying yes to it and trying it will probably benefit yourself and somebody else in a way that you could never have imagined. And so put your stake in the ground and just take a step forward. Yeah. Um, and, and then, so I always get a follow up question to that and this will all stop. So I'll ramble here, but <laughs> I always get a follow up question. It's like, well, how do I know what my purpose is? So I get it a lot. Yeah. And some would argue that we not all of us have a purpose. And, and I would argue that we do. And so find out what makes you angriest in this world. You know, if that's, if that's in business, if like, Hey, you're angry because like the, the zoom calls aren't as effective and efficient as you'd like them to be. Well, that's fine. Like that's a great thing. Or if it's poverty, uh, in, uh, around the world, if it's, uh, injustice in your hometown, if it's crime, whatever it is, whatever makes you angriest, maybe this could be a way we could fix our political discourse. Um, is what, what are you actually mad about? Once you find that, put your stake in the ground, figure out how you can help and not hurt. Like think about like what it is that like what sustainable solutions can be there to like actually build up and not tear down and then go and do it. Partner with organizations that are already doing it. Mm -hmm. If nobody's doing it, then start your own, but figure out what makes you angriest, turn it into a passion for a solution, figure out how you can help and not hurt and then go do it. Yeah, I love that. Our final question here. What are some things that you and Jessica do to grow your relationship through Jesus? Well, first of all, congratulations. Yeah, first, congrats. That's awesome. Well, we have really open dialogue about faith. It hasn't always been that way. So at first, um, I would like get out of church. I'd be like, I disagreed with that. She'd be like, whoa, like what? Why? And we know we talk it through, and she'd be like, I don't, I don't know, I don't. She wasn't exactly as comfortable as I was with like getting angry. Yeah. Um. And so there's like a good like yin and yang to it because she centers me back to a place of like knowing that we're trying, knowing that, you know, knowing the truths of Jesus, knowing what we know about Jesus. And I mostly like feel like I'm in a tailspin, like trying to build the plane as I fly when it comes to my faith. Yeah. And so that's one way is we have really open discourse that's not in dialogue, that's not combative, but fruitful. The other is we do pray together a lot because I believe that prayer does matter. Mm-hmm. And, and the fine, I'd say the final way that, that we really, that we really connect with Jesus things that we do is like, we try to come into kinship with people often and regularly. If that's people in Central America, if that's people in our neighborhoods, if like that's our friends, like we know why we are investing in relationships and why we are investing our time. It's because we believe that even if it's a glass of wine, with friends, we're doing that, not with a, a project in mind and not, but like, because we believe that the, there will be fruit from that. Like that we believe that our 
care for who our friends are and how they're operating in life will bring us all closer to Jesus. And so I'd say those are the three things that I can like identify right now. Cause I mean, we do, we've set up like really strict relational boundaries. I don't know if those bring us closer to Jesus as much as they keep us healthy personally. Yeah. So I, I don't want to like say like, I'm not a big fan of the do's and don'ts of the, of, of a walk with Christ of don't do this, do this. I'm not a huge fan of that. I don't know if that like, I don't know if that helps too much. So oh, I'm, no, I'm a bigger does. fan of personally setting boundaries that you know will make each other better people. Um, and you're only do, you only want to become better people because of your relationship with God. Yeah. And I think it's so important more to like pray with each other and to have the relationship of like, you know, like kind of how we talked about in the beginning of like, you know me, be, like you really only know me if you know that I love Jesus and stuff. And like being able to have those harder conversations of like, hey, I don't agree with this. And it's like, okay, I know his heart and I know, you know, where he's at or she's at or vice versa. And being able to have those hard conversations without realizing like you're just being rude or you're just doing this mm-hmm. or whatever. And so, no, that's absolutely right. Yeah. And the bigger reason that I wanted to ask that question too is, my boyfriend and I are really taking steps to try to grow our relationship through faith. Um, so I'm just going to take that home. <laughs> I'm just going to write that one down. <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to move on to this game. It's rapid fire questions, pretty self-explanatory. Okay. Um, we've got 10 questions here, but super quick before rapid fire questions, we gotta know. you know, we have to ask, what was the bachelor like? What's the mansion like? And obviously we have to know Chris Harrison. Tell me about my guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bachelor. Well, the bachelor has been awesome for me. Obviously I'm talking to you guys cause of it. Um, it's a wild experience. It honestly, I've always said it this way is what you see on TV is, uh, is a lot like you would imagine it being on the show, but the show is nonstop. So imagine like what you see in two hours on a Monday night that represents a whole week. Yeah, that's exhausting to watch sometimes. Imagine living in it all week. Right. I can't uh, imagine. Yeah, so like that's probably like the best like way to explain it is like the show. Um, there's two people that come off the show. Two, one is going to blame the show for every bad thing that they were viewed as on the show. Right. The other people are going to be like, yeah, that – was a good experience, maybe not easy, maybe not ideal, but it was a good experience. Um, I would lean on the side of like, it was a good experience that they do a great job of condensing stories in the two hours that yes, things are going to be shown and not shown. That's just part of it. But they do really do like, I feel like represent what was going on in the show very well, at least from my experience and my time there. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. The mansion is, uh, super nice uh you're like it's kind of big it's like it's really weird to be there because you've watched it on tv um it's everybody's in bunk beds upstairs and that's not really nice and the shower's super (laughs) clogged with weird stuff all the time oh no Um, lovely there's only like three bathrooms for like i think at the beginning you probably have like 24 people there no so the girls really struggle yeah i was gonna say for the girls that's like i couldn't even do that for a dorm i had to pick a dorm that like I only shared with like one other person, like the bathroom. So you really like, and you got to think like, there's like 35 year old people. I mean, Claire's 39. So like, this is like going back to camp. Um, Yeah, (laughs) as a kid, exactly. So it's, that's pretty rough, but the downstairs is nice. They have it all like you'd imagine. And then, you know, you go into Chris and 
I mean, Chris is like one of my best friends in the world. Um, Love him. I, I just really respect that dude. He's behind the scenes. He's been better to me than he ever needed to be. Uh, he is my golfing buddy. He's a guy I'd call. To, if I got a big hosting gig tomorrow, I'd call him one of my first calls and just ask him like, Hey, what do I need to do here? How do I need to handle this? What do I need to talk about, think about, and how should I host it? Uh, he's, he's great. Um, on the show, you know, you're seeing more and more of his personality every year. Like you're seeing him open up a little bit, be a little funnier. Um, (laughs) yeah. You know, back in the day he was pretty like regimented and like closed off. He's super funny, really quick, very smart, but he's not, I think the biggest like misnomer is like he he isn't as uh, put together as the sh- like he doesn't wear a suit very often I'd say. That's so funny. <laughs> I love that. That's so awesome. I'm honestly so happy because I have always been a fan of The Bachelor and I've loved Chris Harrison. I think that he makes the whole show and he just does. the relationships Absolutely. that he has built, like just watching interviews and how he truly connects with people. You know that. Like everybody truly, truly trusts him. So that's so good to hear. Okay, yeah. rapid fire questions. So just answer every question um, as quickly as you can. No pressure. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. Okay, question one. What's your favorite board game? Shoots and Ladders. Oh, that's so fun. What's the best thing that happened to you this month? Uh, this isn't my engagement month, is it? No, it's July. Okay, I'm good. Uh, Jess's, <laughs> yeah, Jess's, Jess's family came to Wyandotte Lake, Indiana for the 4th of July, which is here where I'm at, and celebrated the 4th, but so they came up for the four, first time her whole family did. Oh, that's, that's so awesome. awesome. What time of day are you most inspired? Uh, morning, 100%. I love the morning so much. Uh, I like, even now, I think it's, what time is it here? It's uh, 3 o'clock, and usually by 3, I've had uh, a lot of conversation and i'm usually getting tired and then at 4 30 i'm done like done, done for the, done for the day yeah m- mornings definitely yeah uh what are your favorite lyrics of all time uh sweetly broken holy surrender Ooh, love it what did you want to be when you grew up as a kid uh an nba basketball player nice what is an important life lesson for somebody to learn um that you're not the biggest thing out there and you're never alone it's brunch. What do you eat? Uh, acai bowl. Ooh. Oh, so good. Okay, if you could be a member of any TV show, <laughs> what would it be? Uh, outside the Bachelor, huh? Yeah. Now, <laughs> that might be weird. Uh, I think I, I think I'd be a big fan of Survivor. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That was my favorite favorite show, show as a child. Okay, last question: What makes people perfect for each other? Hmm. What makes people perfect for each other? That's a good question. Uh, I would say a commitment to love and both sides having that idea of commitment. So, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I'd say that's it. Like, I think there could be, I think relationships really work every time when both sides look each other in the eyes and say, like, I'm just going to, I just like, I'm going to love you because it's what I'm committing to and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. You're going to make me cry. Oh, that was so great. Can't wait for that moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. <laughs> well, that is all we have to. I know this took way longer than we You're all good. Scheduled. Don't worry about it. So sorry, but we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you being vulnerable, answering these questions. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, given just two girls from Arizona the chance to talk to you. We really appreciate you.
Hey, thank you for uh, reaching out and I, and I wish you the best and thanks for asking the good questions. You guys are awesome. Thank thanks you so all. Much. Thanks so much. Have a great day. You Bye. Too. See you guys. All right, guys, that was so much fun to talk to Ben and get his insight on living a life for Jesus, running businesses and how to intermix the two guys. Um, but we will be posting his generous coffee link as well as his hope still wins to our bio on Business Brewing Podcast Instagram. So make sure you head over there, you purchase some merch, you support, because guys, $15 for a bag of coffee goes such a long way. It's giving back to the community, it's being generous, and it's just showing some love and support to people who need it more than we do in these times. Um, But that was such a fun experience. We are so thankful and blessed that God gave us the opportunity to talk to somebody like Ben Higgins, um, and just to have a conversation centered around him. So until next week, guys, remember to always, always let God's word brew in your heart.